0: Hello everyone, my name is Harry Elizabeth and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast where I sit down once a week and I talk about all things true crime like murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history, all things true crime. So if you're interested in any of that, you can subscribe and watch the visual version every Wednesday or go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you can find podcasts for the audio version every Tuesday. But if not... Totally fine. Like you do not have to subscribe in order to enjoy my videos. You can just vibe and go. But for today's case, we are going to be talking about the case of Lauren Smith Fields. Now there is a lot to get through, so we are just going to hop right into it. Lauren Smith Fields was born on January twenty third, nineteen ninety eight, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She was born with her mother Chantelle, and her father Everett. She also has three brothers, Kyle, Lakeem, and Tavar. She attended the Stamford High School, and she was. Just- described to be a very outgoing person. Like, she wasn't really afraid to talk to people or talk to new people. She was very funny. She was the type of person that if someone was having a bad day, like one of her family members or her friends, she was always the person to just put them in a good mood. And on top of having a very outgoing personality, she was definitely someone that had a lot of goals for herself. But not only did she have goals for herself, whenever she set her mind to something, she out and did it. She had so much motivation, so much drive. And due to this, she had a lot of academic success in high school. And besides being like very driven and motivated with her academics, on top of that, she was also keeping her body very healthy as well. She ran track for the high school, so she was like staying active. And on top of that, she also had a plant-based diet. So she was only eating like healthier options with lots of fruits and vegetables. And honestly, from what I was reading, about like Lauren and her backstory, she just seemed like that girl. You know what I mean? Like she was striving for so many goals. She was keeping herself healthy. She was keeping her mind healthy. She was out there. She was driven. She just seemed like such an inspirational person, like the type of person that we all try to be or that everybody wants to be. That was definitely Lauren. And although she was very focused on, you know, her studies and her health, she also made sure to make time for her family and friends, especially her family. She was very, very close with her family, especially her mother. Her and her mom were definitely like best friends. They would go out and get their nails done together. They would have little like dates together. And on top of all of that, as I said, Lauren, she is academically motivated. She's keeping herself healthy. She's keeping her mind healthy. She had a great personality and she was also a very great daughter to her mother as well. It was one story in particular where her mom said that Lauren, you know, she knows that her mom works a lot and sometimes when you come home from working all day, you don't really want to do chores or you just wish you had some extra help and Lauren would frequently go over to her mom's house like when her mom got off of work and would just like do her laundry for her mom like you had a long day at work and just simply help her mom in any way that she could. So just overall, like, such a wonderful, beautiful person. Again, the girl that we all aspire to be. And after she graduated high school, that is when she attended Norwalk College and studied to become a physical therapist. During this time, she was also trying and dabbling in a couple of different business ventures. She was a small business owner as well as having a a YouTube channel where she taught people how to put on wigs and also just like random YouTube story time videos. My daughter
1: was um, funny. She was like, when she walks into a room, she lit up the whole room. Um, she loves doing makeup. She loves hanging around with her friends. She loves family. She was, she was very family orientated and just always, always being there for me, like going out and having mother and daughter um, dates. Getting our nails done, Um, and just and just also just spending time together with each other. Her cooking for me, or because I work so late at night, sometimes she just come over and be like, "Mom, let me just grab your laundry and wash them for you." She was that type
0: of order. And as I said, since Lauren was such a hard worker, she had her finances in like really good standing. She was the type of person that would not really spend her money on like outlandish things if she didn't need to. And so because of that and because of her like building her savings, she was able to travel a lot during college. She traveled all over the world. Basically, she traveled to places like London, Rome, Jamaica, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic. It just seemed to me that Lauren just seemed like this big ball of light that, like, everyone just attracted to, that everyone just loved to be around, and she also just, like, loved to give love. And even while she was in college, she was able to move out and get her own apartment, which if any of you guys have ever, like, been in college and also tried to, like, live out on your own, that is not easy because you're constantly going to, like, all of your classes, but then you also have to make money on the side to pay rent. It's a very stressful situation, but Lauren did it with ease. As I said, she went out there and she went for it. And so she had her own apartment. And then on December 13th of 2021, um, Lauren was planning on having like a little Christmas party thing at her apartment. And so one day, uh, her mom Chantel had called Lauren just to kind of talk about the Christmas party and what they were going to do. But when her mother went to call Lauren, Lauren didn't pick up. So she called her again and again, no answer. So that is when Chantel had texted Lauren and said, quote, are you okay? Please let me know. A couple hours after this text was sent, there was still no answer, and this really concerned Chantelle because as I said Chantelle and Lauren were best friends, they were very very close, and Lauren was just not the type of girl to just let her mother like be on delivered for hours at a time. She was very good about responding. And so at 9 p.m. that night, that's when Chantelle was like, "You know, she hasn't talked to me all day. This is very odd. Like I'm just going to go down there and And so that is when Chantel and one of Lauren's brothers went down to Lauren's apartment just to check up on her. When they went to Lauren's apartment, however, they were greeted with a note on Lauren's door that read, quote, if you're looking for Lauren, call this number. So Chantel called the number and the number belonged to the landlord of the building. And so the landlord was like, okay, great. Like, I'll meet you down there. Just stay right there. And so the landlord met Lauren and then the landlord met Chantel and Lauren's brother at Lauren's apartment door. And that is when the landlord. Lord gave the devastating news to Lauren's mom and her brother that Lauren had unfortunately passed away. She was declared dead at 6 49 a.m. the day before on December 12th and when paramedics got there they assumed that she had been dead for at least an hour. This was clearly very very shocking because no one contacted Lauren's family to tell them this and you know discovering the death of your child through a landlord instead of some sort of police officer or a doctor. This is a terrible way to learn about something like this. And also the fact that it had happened the day before, in the morning, that means the police and the hospital had all December 12th to contact the family because um, later on we know that the police ended up identifying Lauren to be Lauren, based upon her like identification and her wallet but even though they knew the identity of Lauren they just thought to not call the family at all And when the family decided to call the police themselves to see where Lauren was, even like where Lauren's body was because her body was no longer in the apartment, they came to find out that no officers were even thinking about contacting them. There was no officers that were working on an autopsy to determine her cause of death and no one called to confirm her body. No case at all was being created. And even with Lauren's apartment, Lauren's apartment just looked completely normal, like the outside of it. There was no caution tape. There was no police officers. There was nothing at all to indicate that someone had died in that apartment. And so the landlord tells uh, Chantel and Lauren's brother like, hey, uh, yesterday when all the police were here, I tried to get like some information, but they wouldn't really tell me. So they gave me a card to a detective named Kevin Cronin. Um, here's his number. Maybe you can like try to get some information about where Lauren is and what exactly happened. And so Chantel calls Kevin Cronin and he is just the absolute worst to the family. Kevin Cronin told them that on the night of December 11th, Lauren was on a date with 37-year-old Matthew LaFountain, and Matthew had spent the night that night, but when he woke up early in the morning, around 6.50 a.m., he found Lauren unresponsive with a nosebleed coming out of her right nostril, so he immediately called the police, and the police and the paramedics showed up. And so with something like this, you would think that the last person to see Lauren alive would be heavily interrogated as to what happened. But Kevin basically just said not to worry about Matthew because, quote, he's a nice guy. And he's a nice guy is basically just code for Matthew probably had some links within the police station. He probably had some inside connections and that's why he wasn't being investigated or interrogated and so this just honestly makes things 10 times more confusing because that answers none of Chantel's questions. She doesn't know what killed Lauren. She doesn't know how Lauren died. She doesn't know why she wasn't contacted. Like this is obviously a very scary situation and all you want is answers. So Chantel is like, you know what, why don't we just meet up in person? Can you meet me at Lauren's apartment so we can talk about this more thoroughly and and in person and Kevin agrees he's like yeah I'll be down there and then all of a sudden an hour goes by two hours go by and Kevin never shows up like hours go by Kevin's not there and so Chantelle obviously calls again to make sure if he's still coming and when she calls him all he says is quote stop calling me and just hangs up which again makes things 10 times more frustrating because Lauren's mother like Chantelle she doesn't even know where Lauren's body is at her own daughter she has no clue and she's being treated as like nothing she's not getting any answers she's not getting any help for her situation she's just completely lost And unfortunately, that wouldn't be the last time that Kevin has actually hung up on the family as they were just desperately trying to seek answers for what happened to their daughter and their sister. Chantel actually said in an interview, quote, he told me directly on the phone to stop calling him and hung up in my face. It was just total disrespect. Like, that's what you tell a family that's going through grief and trying to find answers? The way they talk to me, the way they talk to my family, how they treated my daughter, they treated her like she was nobody, like she was not important. So for the next 16 days, the family continues to call the police station, call the police station. they seeking answers they want more answers they want an autopsy why isn't a case being opened up why isn't Matthew being questioned he was the last person to see her alive and for the next 16 days the police offered very very little help they only answered a couple of their questions and basically just kept and basically just kept the whole case in general very hush very like down low didn't really talk about it as if They were trying to pretend as if it didn't happen. Like imagine if you yourself, like if you have a child or if you plan on having a child one day, like imagine your child goes missing or your child passes away and you ask the police what happened and nobody is paying attention to you. They're acting as if it never happened. They're acting as if the person that passed away is just nothing. It's very frustrating, but it's also extremely disrespectful to everyone everyone in this situation. It's extremely frustrating. It's very overwhelming. And on December 23rd of 2021, the family held a memorial for Lauren in order to remember and celebrate her life, but still at this point, they had so many unanswered questions. And then on December 29th of 2021, the family went through the holidays still with so much confusion and frustration, but the family was finally able to just go into Lauren's apartment because at first they were not allowing the family access into Lauren's apartment which again is so odd because I've seen cases I mean we've done cases in the past where literally the family was able to go into the crime scene the next day you know like they were able to look through their loved one's things after a week But the family didn't even get access to Lauren's apartment until 17 days after her death. And it was also during this time where, weirdly, the detective on Lauren's case had switched to a different detective because Kevin Cronin, the person that was helping them to begin with, apparently got kicked off of the case due to multiple mistakes made in the case. And all of these mistakes the family was not aware of and continued to not be aware of because nobody just told them what was going on but when the family went into Lauren's apartment, you can clearly tell that absolutely nothing was searched through. There was no investigation. There was no crime scene investigation. There was no police officer that was looking around to see the cause of death because right when the family walks into Lauren's bedroom, on her bed, they see a very visible used condom and a loose pill sitting on her bedside table. Lauren, as I said, she kept a very active and healthy lifestyle. She ate all plant-based and only fruits and vegetables. So like the fact that she was taking pills or medicine, this clearly was not hers and along with the used condom and the pill the family also found blood on her bed sheets and a plate of food that was um like the food faced down on the living room floor again just something that investigators just walked by did not clean up so the family immediately calls the police again and they're like hey What were? What are you doing? Like exactly? What are you doing? Because we are at the apartment. We see all of this stuff. We find all of this evidence. You need to get down here and collect some of this because this is clearly, you know, something to help with Lauren's case. But the police told the family that they could not pursue in the investigation or even open up an investigation where they would collect evidence from the apartment. They can't do any of that unless they have the DNA of the entire family, which again, we've done a lot of like true crime cases on this channel. This is the first time I have ever seen anything like that. You do not have to have DNA samples in order to collect evidence. That's usually something that you do afterwards to see if the DNA on the object matches the DNA with the individual that you are suspecting. And that is something that Chantel says quite frequently. She says that she feels her family was treated as suspects. And in this case, asking the family for DNA samples would be something thing you would ask of a suspect and this was also around the time of the Gabby Petito case. Now, if you guys don't know who Gabby Petito is, Gabby Petito was a white 22-year-old influencer that disappeared but was later found dead during a trip that she took with her boyfriend, and there was an active manhunt for her boyfriend because he was suspected to be Gabby's killer, and if you guys know about the Gabby Petito case, Gabby's case got so, so much media coverage, and it was mostly due to her being a young white woman because the media unfortunately just doesn't show as many missing people of color as they do white individuals. And there unfortunately is a lot of injustice when it comes to all these like missing cases or murder cases and because of that, the media paying more attention to white women rather than people of color. It's extremely unfair and that is exactly how Lauren's family felt. They felt that their case wasn't getting recognized and this just made it 10 times more frustrating because if anything, they needed all the help that they could get at that point, but they were just receiving none of it. And the fact that Gabby was getting a lot of media representation has nothing to do with Gabby or Gabby's family. I'm pretty sure Gabby's family was very grateful to have all of this media attention because it led to the discovery of their daughter's murderer. So this has nothing to do with the family or Gabby at all. This mostly is an issue with the media and media representation. This is mostly an issue that has to do with media representation as a whole and also just society as a whole and ensuring that everyone, no matter what your race, color, gender, what you go by, everyone deserves a fair case. Everyone deserves to be treated fairly. Everyone deserves to be treated equally. And I so I just wanted to make that clear that, you know, Gabby's family or Gabby is not at fault for all the media attention that she got. It's just simply an issue with the media in general. And so once the the family had supplied their DNA samples, that's when the police started up an investigation. An investigation is kind of a nice word to use because this was not a proper investigation at all. So they first started out their investigation by questioning Matthew and questioning what Matthew and Lauren were doing the night before, where and when did he discover Lauren, when did he last see her alive... But before I move forward with Matthew's story, I do want to say that Matthew's attorney came out with a statement um, like after everything that read, quote, I think it's the media that made him the main focus of the investigation. Although Bridgeport Police did investigate the matter, he did fully cooperate and he's not the main focus of the investigation anymore. As we know, the DEA is involved now and they will help local authorities investigate the matter and get to the bottom of what happened to Lauren. And I'm not saying that because I'm siding with Matthew. In my personal opinion, I feel like Matthew should be questioned a little bit more. I feel like, you know, if Matthew truly had nothing to hide, then why isn't his interrogation being released? Why isn't his 911 call being released? And also, if he was truly such a nice guy, why didn't he cooperate with the family? Why didn't he talk to the family? Why didn't he give the family answers that the police wanted? weren't giving them. And also, if he had nothing to hide, then why not come out with the true and full story? Because if he is telling the truth, then it shouldn't counteract with anything else in the case. And if anything, if he came out with his story, he'd just be clearing his name. But it is a little odd that he hasn't come out with his story.
1: Anyone that genuinely cared and they were there, the last person there, and they know that nothing bad happened you would at least even reach out to the family yourself like listen i know i'm i'm sorry for your loss of your daughter or your
0: sister matthew had told police that three days prior to their date on december 11th they had been talking over the app bumble bumble is a dating app that is very similar to something like tinder they were chatting over bumble and that is when they agreed to hang out on the night of december 11th 2021 at lauren's apartment just so they can eat and drink and get to know each other and matthew said that the two of them did indeed meet up they played board games they drank they ate and then after everything they laid down and watched a movie together he said that while they were in the living room watching this movie there was a knock at the door and in the middle of the movie lauren gets up and goes to the door and he notices that it's her brother who is looking to drop something off and so her brother drops this thing off to lauren he says that lauren goes into the bathroom for about 10 to 15 minutes and then all of a sudden she comes out and she lays down with him on the couch to watch the movie but then later fell asleep on the couch. He said that when the movie was over that's when he noticed that Lauren was asleep so he picked up Lauren and brought her to bed and then thought that he was going to spend the night and so he just slept in the bed right next to her and when Matthew was questioned about sexual activity that night, he said that nothing sexual went on, um, which as you know, a used condom was found at the crime scene, so already kind of a trip up, but anyway. He said that he woke up about three in the morning to go pee, and then that's when he heard Lauren snoring, and so he went back to sleep, and then around 6 30, he woke up again, and when he looked at Lauren, Lauren was sleeping on her side, but blood was coming out of her right nostril, and she wasn't breathing. Once he realized that she was unresponsive, he immediately called the police. That is when the police had instructed him to start giving chest compressions to Lauren. So that's when he picked up Lauren, took her off of the bed, put her on the floor, and started giving her chest compressions. But what was so odd from, you know, just the beginning is that although he had called in a police call and told him that his date is unresponsive and she's not breathing, instead of sending over paramedics, they instead sent over, like, a random detective to assess the situation. And another really odd detail that the police noticed was that Matthew was, you know, talking about what they were talking about um, over the next three days, like over Bumble and over the phone. And he said that at one point, Lauren had asked him for $40 to get her nails done. And this specific detail was very odd because, as I said, Lauren, she was, you know, she didn't need anybody to succeed. She made her own money. She had her own business adventures. She had her own place she was going to college like she was very independent and self-driven and so the the possibility of her asking matthew a guy that she barely knew for money was very very odd considering she didn't even ask her own mother for money
1: this gentleman said that they had no sex and he never took his clothes off yet still the police failed to see if in fact his statement comports with what was found on the scene
0: and that was basically matthew's whole story that is what he claims happened that night but as you can see there are a lot of really odd inconsistencies with his story um there was one part as i said This also struck me as very odd as well is that Matthew said that while him and Lauren were watching a movie, that is when Lauren's brother came over to drop something off. This specifically kind of struck me as odd because how would he know what Lauren's brother looks like? And the way that Matthew put it, he kind of made it sound like it was a very secret exchange, like possibly he was giving her drugs or something. But when Lauren's brother was questioned about this, he just said that he was picking up some laundry because Lauren had like some of his clothes and so he was just picking up clothes. He wasn't doing anything like secret or suspicious and he also told police that when he saw Lauren in that moment she seemed completely fine. Like she wasn't drunk. She wasn't on any substances. She seemed perfectly normal. Like he was simply just picking up clothes and there was one point in Matthew's story where he actually changed his story. At first he was saying that Lauren just like randomly went into the bathroom for. 15 minutes but then later on he switched it and he said that he could have sworn he heard Lauren throwing up as if she was really sick and as you can see Matthew's story there's just so many random holes to it and also again I'm not saying that this is a hundred percent like what Matthew had only said because unfortunately again we don't have Matthew's interrogation so this is literally all we have to go off of and as you can see it does not look good whatsoever he clearly is hiding something if he's changing up his story to make it look better in his favor and so out of frustration you know clearly the police are not helping the family and so that is when the family decides to hire an attorney in an attempt to sue the police department for not following proper protocols after confirming the body of lauren don't worry it's still me just thinking the sponsor of today's episode babble For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I remember when I had to take French in high school, I feel like the vibe was so intimidating, like having to speak in front of people. But now thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you're traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you can actually use in the real world. Their 15-minute lessons make it a perfect way to learn a new language on the go. And contrary to other language learning apps that use AI for their lesson plans, Babbel's lessons were actually created by over 100 language experts, and their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. You can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German, and Babbel's speech recognition technology that helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can also also access podcasts, games, videos, and stories, and even live classes. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash behind. That's babbel.com behind for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. But police argued this, and they said that they didn't have to contact the family because they knew Lauren was Lauren by looking at her passport and her identification, which again is not proper protocol. You're always supposed to inform the family members or have a family member come in to confirm the body. And on January 21st of 2022, that is when the family's lawyer, Darnell Crossland, had made a statement saying that the family intended to sue the Bridgeport Police Department for $30 million dollars for their handling of Lauren's case and believe the police department was racially insensitive, which led to the mistreatment of Lauren's case and dismissing it as if it didn't happen at all. Basically, just treating Lauren and her family extremely unfairly. Darnell also came to the press with this um, intent to sue, and he said, quote, the notice details a number of concerning missteps in the investigation, including the fact that obvious evidence was not gathered by police and that officers have been reluctant to formally interview LaFountain or name him as a person of interest. Crossland has alleged that Kevin Cronin, the detective first assigned to the case, has some connection with LaFountain and is currently under investigation by the city's internal affairs department and that is a quote from thecut.com
1: what i believe is that the police fail to collect and preserve that environment from the first day The attorney has now filed a notice of claim to sue Bridgeport for negligence, claiming key evidence was not initially submitted to the state lab.
0: And the family finally, with this lawyer by their side, they were able to really tell everyone and the public. They were able to get a pretty good-sized audience of people that, you know, wanted to help out on the case, that were listening to their case. And they said that they were treated like suspects since the very beginning, that they were not treated fairly... And they also thought that it was very unfair that Kevin Cronin was assigned to their case in the first place and then Kevin Cronin was let go due to the many mistakes that he had made on the case. But even though he had made mistakes on the case, it seemed like nobody was doing anything to try to fix his mistakes at all. They basically just kind of saw it as a lost cause and was attempting to move on. And everything that I'm telling you right now about Lauren's case was not being shown to the public whatsoever. At most, there was probably one or two articles regarding Lauren's case, and that's it. Like, it was getting no media coverage. But it wasn't until a very famous rapper by the name of Cardi B had actually took to her Twitter to post about Lauren's case, and this led to more and more exposure for Lauren's story. On January 23rd of 2022, Cardi B had posted a screenshot of an article titled, quote, design engineer 37 whose bumble date 23 died in her blood-stained bed next to him after night of drinking her family sues cops for quote mishandling investigation and not pursuing quote because he's white and even the title of this article is extremely frustrating because why do they need to say that he's a design engineer that has literally nothing to do with anything it seems like they're trying to make him look like a good person or make people think that if he's successful then he's a good person. And they also infer that the reason the family is suing the cops is because he's white, which is literally so untrue because that is not the only reason. They're suing the cops for everything that I just told you. The family was not even informed that Lauren was dead until well, over 24 hours after her death, they were not getting any answers as to where her body was exactly. They were also suing the police for not investigating Lauren's apartment. Like, it's so frustrating and so, so sad that Lauren's family had to be the one to discover that evidence instead of the police just doing their job. That's why they were suing. It had nothing to do with the fact that he was white. And yet this article was trying to play it off as if that. And so Cardi B had took a screenshot of this article and quote tweeted it with quote, this man don't look old and it's not old at all. And yet the media made it seem like she was with this old man looking to trick on her. I'm disgusted on how they spin the narrative specifically because I see people saying online quote, that's what she gets. And then she also posted another picture that read, quote, This is so scary. A fictional murderer character, but in real life. Justice for Lauren. Connecticut, you have failed that young lady. And because Cardi B had tweeted this out, Lauren's case got so much more coverage. This is really like the catalyst that really got people talking about Lauren's case and being involved in her case and wanting to know more answers about what happened to her. And again, this was during the time where Gabby Petito's case was um, starting to sort of come to a close. And again, that is no disrespect to Gabby or Gabby's family because Gabby's case is just as important as Lauren's case, and they. Should should be treated as just important gabby's case was simply just getting more attention because she was a white woman and this was very very devastating because this led all the other missing and murder cases of black and indigenous women to just be unheard of And this is no one else's fault but the media, the police, and media representation because the police just put in a very lack of effort when dealing with Lauren's case compared to Gabby's case and also the effort of publicating uh, Lauren's case compared to Gabby's case and the lack of care when handling the cases and just pretending as if Lauren's case just never happened. And so once Cardi B had posted this tweet, it really, really got people talking
1: work with us in some way we haven't heard from them at all it's almost like they're trying to sweep everything under the rug
0: here in our
1: black community we 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 pay taxes you know and they should be working for us and our family and show that they care for us and they're not going to just throw us out like real rubbish every black person every person of color matters
0: On that same day, the family led a protest march in front of the mayor's office to protest changes and action to be done to Lauren's case and the handling of her case. They also were trying to promote a bill that was called Lauren's Law, and this law would enforce the state of Connecticut to contact the family of deceased within 24 hours of the death of that person to ensure that all of the family is being aware about the whereabouts of their children. They also wanted the mayor to make a statement about the situation and how the Bridgeport Police Station was acting towards Lauren's case because the mayor has not come out about the situation. He hadn't said anything about it. He, as just the rest of them, were acting as if it didn't happen at all. And then on January 24th of 2022, that is when the autopsy reports were released. And then on January 24th, the Connecticut Medical Examiner uh, came out with an autopsy conclusion. The Official report never came out, so we don't know like the full length report. All we know is like the summary of it, and it read, "Quote, on January twenty fourth, Smithfield autopsy results came in from the chief state medical examiner, concluding that she died of quote acute intoxication due to the combined effects of fentanyl." Promethazine, Hydroxine, and alcohol. Her death was ruled as an accident, but because fentanyl was present, the Bridgeport Police Department opened a criminal investigation in the Narcotics Department with the help of the DEA. Bridgeport's mayor, Joe Gennam, announced that the Internal Affairs will also be investigating the police department's interaction with her family. He also ordered that two police officers be placed on administrative leave. And one of those officers that were put on leave was Kevin Cronin. And so, basically, to reiterate, the medical examiner had labeled this as acute. Now, to read you the definition of acute alcohol intoxication, acute alcohol intoxication is a disturbance in behavior or mental function during or after alcohol consumption. This acute intoxication is very, very common, more than 3 million US cases per year, and is always short-term and resolve itself within days days or weeks. Meaning that acute intoxication is simply just acute. You get over it quite quickly. So to label this as acute is extremely just not true because it was not acute. Lauren died. This was a lethal intoxication and so I'm not really sure why they labeled it as acute knowing that she died because of it. And when the family had heard this autopsy result, they immediately were like, no, this was not Lauren. She was given these drugs by someone because, as I said, Lauren was a healthy woman. She kept her body very, very healthy. She always knew what was going inside of her body. She took very good care of, you know, what she ate and what she did. Lauren was not the type of girl to just go out and take pills, especially fentanyl and a Forensic expert by the name of Joseph Morgan who was also a expert correspondent for the George Floyd trial said that there is no way that Lauren being as young as she was, she was only 23 years old, she would have never had the time to develop a dependency on these drugs, especially the amount that she was taking. And if the intention was to kill herself, why would she do it with a stranger in her home? And there There's just no way that Lauren would take this mixture of drugs, especially fentanyl, knowing that there is a stranger in her house. It just, it, it's not like Lauren at all. And even if her intention was to get high with these drugs, no one takes fentanyl just to get high. If you guys, like, I'll pull up a picture, but the lethal dose of fentanyl is so, so, so minuscule, and Lauren would just never, ever touch drugs, especially fentanyl, of that little tiny size. And she also just wouldn't take that many pills if her intention was to get high. This clearly was not an accident. This clearly was not Lauren's fault. No one in their right mind takes fentanyl knowingly. So clearly there was something else that was going on, someone that was intending to kill her. And even the family's lawyer, Darnell Crossland, even said that he has never seen a medical examiner rule this wild mix of deadly drugs as a, quote, accident with no evidence or prior use of drugs. And with this, as I said, they never actually revealed the autopsy report, so we don't know the state of Lauren's body, but it would be very helpful if we received the actual autopsy report because then in the autopsy report, they would, of course, put indications of Lauren having recent substance abuse issues. Whenever you are addicted to substances, uh, more specifically like drugs and pills, your body definitely feels an effect. Of that, your immune system slows down, your metabolism slows down, everything in your body just starts to slowly shut down, and there is very visible evidence of that happening. Like if you use drugs over a long period of time, but again, unfortunately, since we don't have the autopsy, we don't know if that is what Lauren's body looked like or if she just looked completely happy and healthy up until the point of her death. And Darnell also found it very, very odd that they would just rule it as an accident without looking into how. Lauren got the drugs or even how she ingested it. Shortly after the autopsy was released, that is when the mayor did come out with a statement expressing his condolences to the family and the loss of Lauren. He says that he's very embarrassed with the way that the Bridgeport Police Station had handled their case and the immense amount of disrespect that was given to Lauren's case and her family. He says that he's disappointed with the leadership and the treatment of the victims, and the Bridgeport Police Station will be taking further action by giving administrative leave to two of their officers, including Kevin Cronin. He says that he will also personally be working with the Bridgeport Police Station on Lauren's case to ensure that all of the proper protocols are being enforced as well as notifying family members after a death. And then he ends it off by saying, quote, there is no tolerance for anything less than respect and sensitivity for family members and their loss. And so, after this statement was released and after the autopsy was released, this just made everyone even more angry, not just Lauren's family, but everyone that was following along with the story. They thought, you know, how dare you call fentanyl acute in any sort of way? And from the DEA.gov, it says, quote, "...just two milligrams of fentanyl, the small amount that fits on the tip of a pencil, is considered a potentially deadly dose." So basically, any dose of fentanyl is not acute. All doses of fentanyl are lethal. You know, even the smallest little bit of fentanyl can kill you. And it's not like Lauren was out and about. She was in the comfort of her own home. It's not like she was at the club or a party where she would be exposed to this mixture of drugs and there would be some sort of like lacing in these drugs. And up until this point, Matthew LaFountain's name was never made to the public because of his attorneys and his legal team. They basically just shut down and sued every single person that say his name like he's Voldemort or something and so it just got to a point where the press was like no we're not gonna protect this man anymore and they released his name and face to the public and so once his name and face was made to the public that's when people started looking to Matthew for questions you know and answers of course he was the last person to see her alive and he was with her the night of her death so if anyone in this world were to know anything of what happened happened to Lauren, it would 100% be Matthew. So, a lot of people were seeking him for answers of what happened that night, but even though everyone was looking to Matthew for all of these answers, Matthew continued to say nothing. His attorney didn't say anything. It was just complete silence, and that is when uh, the family's lawyer, Darnell, came out and said, quote, We will not stop until we get justice for Lauren and the thousands of black girls that go missing in this country each year. We owe them equal rights and justice regardless of race and we wouldn't stop fighting until we get it." And this brought such an uproar of media attention. Like everybody was talking about this case. Even Bumble, the dating app, reached out to the police. They were offering them like any sort of message threads that they wanted to see between Matthew and Lauren. They shared like Lauren's profile, they shared Matthew's profile. Like Bumble was literally doing more work than the police, and that is terrifying. And Bumble even put out a statement themselves saying, quote For those who may not know, this past December, one of our Bumble community members, Lauren Smith Field, a vibrant young woman, passed away before her time in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Lauren's passing has sparked a range of emotions for all those following her case. Like you, I am deeply saddened by this loss and eager for her family and friends to get the answers they seek. As the circumstances around Lauren's untimely death are still under investigation, our team has offered our full support to Lauren's family as well as the bridgeport police as a mother my heart goes out to lauren's parents and loved ones every parent deserves to know what happened to their child and lauren deserves nothing less than our collective attention and a thorough and serious investigation and so even Bumble, like the app, was coming out with statements talking about it. There was a lot of very popular TikTok creators that were doing videos about Lauren's case just to spread awareness of what was going on. And on March 3rd of 2022, that is when Bridgeport lawmakers had proposed a bill in response to Lauren's case, as well as another woman's case by the name of Brenda Lee Rawls. And Brenda actually went missing the same exact day as Lauren. And the bill Although it was proposed, it wasn't passed. And this is basically the summary of the bill. It says, quote, the legislation House Bill 5349 requires police who respond to or otherwise encounter a deceased person or the remains of a person to ensure the person's next of kin are notified within 24 hours of the person's identification. If they can't, the law would require cops to, quote, document the reason for any failure or delay of notification and and any attempts made to make such notification. State Representative Antonio Felipe D. Bridgeport said the proposed bill, prompted by the cases of Lauren Smithfield and Brenda Lee Rawls, who both died on December 12th, in unrelated incidents should not be needed. It's deeply upsetting that this legislation is even necessary, he said in the prepared statement announcing the bill. This is a wrong being righted. Police officers who run afoul of the law could be reported to the state's office of the inspector general for investigation and possible censor suspension or revocation of the peace officer's certification. This bill would be subject of a public hearing before the General Assembly's Judiciary Committee scheduled at 10 a.m. on March 9th to be conducted via Zoom. So, on that specific website, they linked a YouTube channel and I looked at this YouTube channel, but I could not find the outcome of this bill. I don't think it was passed because if it were to be passed, I think there would be many articles about it, but I'm assuming it didn't get passed, or maybe it's in the process of getting passed. But unfortunately, from what I could see in regards to this bill, that as of January 30th of 2023, the fight for this bill and the approval is still undergoing, and it hasn't been approved yet. On January 22nd of 2023, so not that long ago, it's been a little over the year since the death of Lauren, and the family had held a balloon release on the day before she would have turned 25 years old the mother um, Chantel she was approached by the media at this balloon release where she said quote I'm doing this today because it's been an entire year that my daughter has been gone and I just want to celebrate her birthday and I want the families of Bridgeport to celebrate with me the mothers that lost their kids to celebrate with our family I don't want anyone to forget about my daughter and as of today in 2023, that is unfortunately where the case lies. Um, no one knows anything, really. No one knows if Matthew is being interrogated. No one knows if Matthew in the end is actually innocent and he actually didn't do anything and there was another party involved. There has been no official reports or anything posted by the Bridgeport Police Department regarding Lauren's case or the ongoing action to solve anything. Nothing further has been mentioned about Matthew and his involvement. The only thing that has been said on Matthew's behalf is that quote that I read you earlier from Matthew's attorney, basically saying that his attorney feels like the media painted him more as a killer and that he's innocent and he didn't do anything wrong. And even the family, like shortly after that autopsy was released, they asked for an independent autopsy. But since that was never released, even to this day, the police department and the connecticut uh, medical examiners still declare lauren's death as an accident and lauren simply just did this to herself the bill that was going to be passed would ensure connecticut informs family members of deceased loved ones within 24 hours of the discovering of the body but again that bill still goes unapproved And as I said earlier, the police did open a criminal investigation once they found that fentanyl was at use, but that criminal investigation is still open to this day and is still being worked on. And it's so, so frustrating because there's so much that could be done in this case that we have seen been done in so many other cases, yet no one is trying to do anything. We have seen in so many other cases where the autopsy reports were revealed, the interrogation clips were revealed, the 911 call was revealed. And that was a really big thing too that people wanted to see. People were really curious about the 911 call because as I said, apparently on On the 911 call, Matthew had said that Lauren was unresponsive and that he feels that she may be dead. And instead of sending a paramedic, they instead sent a detective. And so people are wondering, did he actually call the police or did he call his police friend to help him out? And that was the detective that showed up that day. There's just so, so many different theories and things you can come up with and it's very unfortunate and frustrating that we just have to sit here and be unaware of everything that went on when clearly there is so much to be done. And even the fact that Matthew is suing people for using his name or using his face or talking about him, I feel just makes him look even more guilty. I feel like if you truly had nothing to do with it, why wouldn't you want to offer any sort of help you can provide? Why wouldn't you want to speak to the family? Why wouldn't you want to come out to the press? Because if you feel you did nothing wrong, then clear your name. But the fact that he hasn't said anything just points him as more suspicious and that he may know more than he leads on. And as for today, Lauren's family is still fighting for justice for Lauren and trying to figure out what happened to her just to offer some sort of peace and closure. This case has been going on for a little over a year now. And at some point, you do just have to begin the healing process. And I know sometimes it's hard to heal from these situations, especially when your case is unsolved or if your case, like, no one is taking care of it. The way that you want it to be taken care of or that it should be taken care of, it's very frustrating, it's very hard, but at some point you do have to begin the healing process in order to come to peace with the situation because, you know, an ongoing fight like this, you are constantly being reminded of what happened and that is a very hard and traumatizing thing to go through. It's a very traumatic situation to go through because you're constantly being reminded every single day of what happened to your daughter while trying to fight for justice for your daughter. And hopefully that justice will be served one day. I really hope that in the future someone is held responsible, someone is held accountable, someone is being arrested for this. And I think it's also very important to not lose hope in situations like these. There are so, so many cases out there that get solved after like many, many years of being unsolved. So there's still hope for Lauren to receive the justice that she deserves. And sometimes it can be hard to heal from these situations because you feel as if you're moving past the situation or you're trying to move on from it. When that's not the case, just because you heal from a situation doesn't mean that you're forgetting about the situation. Although there is no updates, although there is nothing new about the case, I feel like that doesn't mean that we just shouldn't talk about it. It doesn't mean that we should just forget about it. I feel like the only way that we are actually going to solve cases. Like this or cases that go unnoticed is if we continue to talk about it, if we continue to remind people that this is still going on and this is still something that we need to fight for. So even as for today, there are so, so many unanswered questions about what happened that night that we just may never know. And that is the end of today's video. Um, If you guys found this case interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, make sure to rate it five stars because that really helps me out a lot. If you want to follow me on any of my socials like my Instagram, that will be linked down below as well as my P.O. Box if you want to send me anything and as well as well all of the research that I use for this video. So all of the articles that I mention, all of the interviews that I mention, all of that will be linked down below. So if you want to go ahead and do your own research about the case, you definitely can by using those outlets as a starting point. And even if you go ahead and do your own research and you find something that I didn't find in my research or something that I simply did not mention, make sure to leave that in the comments below because I'm pretty sure everybody here will be interested to hear what you have to say. But yeah, that is all for me. As for my own thoughts and opinions, I kind of already said them throughout this video. And I hope and wish nothing but peace and love for Lauren's family, especially going through something like this every single day can get very tiring. But I hope that them, as well as everyone else involved in this situation and everyone watching can receive the answers that we seek one day. But yeah, that's all for me. I hope you guys have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're watching this. Make sure to go outside today. Make sure to get some fresh air, smell some fresh air, hang out with your friends, hang out with your family, tell someone you love them today, even if that someone is yourself. As always, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.